Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. Panther fans, what's the deal? Tony Dunn here. Uh, As you have heard, Ben McAdoo has been officially appointed, hired as the Carolina Panthers new offensive coordinator in a last-ditch effort to save Matt Rule's job uh, and probably tells us a lot about the attractiveness of this position at the moment and the candidates who were willing to take it. But we got to figure out what we got with this Ben McAdoo. Oh, I'm here with Nick Filato from Big Blue, Ban- Big Blue Banter Podcast, Big Blue Review. How you doing, my man? The hair is still flowing nice. No, but I'm just, you know, containing it with this beanie right now because, I mean, it's just – It gets, little, but it gets you know, big, don't it? Yeah, I'll just get rid of the beanie because doing a podcast with you makes me feel much more comfortable. Usually I'm doing it with a much more clean-cut individual. I'm not to say that you look homeless or anything like that. It's very kept. But still, long hair, recognize long hair, real, recognize real, and here we are. Ben McAdoo, um, I would tell you this, is that uh, when the first – First, uh, the Panthers' search for the offensive coordinator came out. Uh, you heard Jay Glazer report that the Panthers needed a rock star name, and we all knew that that wasn't going to happen because a rock star name would be in the running for a much better job than the Carolina Panthers. And then some of the names started to come out, and uh, Jay Gruden, Ben McAdoo, Scotty Montgomery, who went to he was the head coach of my alma mater, terrible, terrible. That was the least on my list right there. Uh, came up because Matt Rule wanted some NFL play calling experience, and they turned to Ben McAdoo. And this is what I know about him. Uh, well, first, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, that that mustache and the slick back hair, and uh, a poorly fitted suit. It looked like an adolescent teenager who uh, 
had to borrow his dad's suit at the last minute because the, his old suit that he wore to the last wedding or his bar mitzvah or whatever uh, didn't fit. But man, uh, West Coast offense, short passes, up tempo. Um, and I know about uh, some success with the offensive Giants in his first two years of offensive as offensive coordinator. And then in the two years as head coach, a lot of struggles. So I know you're the X and O's guy. I said, I got to talk to Nick about this. What should we know about McAdoo to start? So in terms of X's and O's, this was prior to me actually covering the New York Giants. I wasn't doing as many in-depth breakdowns back when Ben McAdoo was the head coach and the offensive coordinator, which seems like forever ago because the Giants are just recycling through head coaches. But you better expect a lot of 11 personnel, which isn't terrible for the Carolina Panthers with Terrace Marshall, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Are all three of them going to be back next season? Does it look like? Yes. Yeah, that's the, well, yeah, I think so. Is I think uh, DJ will be in his fifth year option. So I think we can, we've got Robbie under contract. So those are the guys we're playing to rock with. All right. Awesome. So it's going to be a lot of 11 personnel to the point where it might be a, even a little bit nauseating because 11 personnel is awesome. You know, you look at the Rams, they run it like 84% of the time. You look at the Bills, they run it uh, heavy, uh, a lot as well. So a lot of the successful teams are using a lot of 11 personnel, but he used it a ton. And you're going to see a lot of slant flat. You're going to see a lot of more simplified concepts like that. But if I want to kind of look at this from a glass half full standpoint first, Ben McAdoo, and I'm making parallels with Eli Manning and Sam Darnold, and I should not do that because Eli Manning has far surpassed Sam Darnold, obviously. But it seems like the Carolina Panthers may have Sam Darnold next year as their signal caller. Obviously, there's a lot to play out right now. But what Ben McAdoo did was he fixed – Eli Manning's footwork, like to the nth degree, because Eli Manning in 2013, before Ben McAdoo in the last year and Kevin Gilbride's kind of run and shoot type of system, Eli Manning threw 27 interceptions. He had, I have the stats right here. I want to be precise. He had a 57.5% completion rate. It was a mess at this point. And the run and shoot system is more of a uh, system where you kind of have to be on the same page with your wide receivers. You know, you have to read the defense pre to post snap, and then that's going to base what route you run off the off your stem, essentially, if you're a wide receiver. So you need to have processing ability as a wide receiver. And, you know, Giants had like the Ruben Randles of the world back then. No shot at Ruben Randall, but it just did not work out here in New York. So Eli was just prone to throwing a lot of interceptions, and it was just kind of a mess. Ben McAdoo comes in. As Tom Coughlin's offensive coordinator automatically fixes that, Eli goes, he throws for over 30. He goes from, in 2013, throwing 27 interceptions and 18 touchdowns, yuck, to throwing 30 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, and then 35 and 14. So it really fixed Eli Manning. It really fixed the quarterback, and that's what Panthers need to hope happen with Sam Darnold right now. But then it got into the whole sticky wickets if you want a little history lesson on the New York Giants, got into the entire situation where Ben McAdoo interviewed for a head coaching job with the Eagles, and the Giants were like, yo, we can't lose Ben McAdoo because then Eli Manning you know, may revert back to some bad tendencies, and it seems like McAdoo and Manning have a really good rapport right now. So there's a lot of coaches who were kind of up for that job. Doug Peterson ended up getting it worked out for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Giants kind of panicked. They ended up firing Tom Coughlin, but it was a ceremonious retirement, similar to what we saw with Dave Gettleman this last uh, cycle. And then Ben McAdoo was given the job. And what ended up happening after that, Jerry Reese went on a huge spending spree to save his own rear end, bought in on Snacks Harrison, 
re-signed JPP, brought in Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins, and then signed Olivier Vernon. So they revamped that entire defense because the defense wasn't all that great. And the Giants end up making the playoffs that year. And this is 2016, the first year where Ben McAdoo was the head coach. He was the offensive coordinator for the previous two seasons where he fixed Eli Manning. And then what ended up happening, they get bounced the boat pitcher, which is famous uh, among Giants lore, uh, which was a week before the matchup against Green Bay. They get bounced in that wild card game. And then in 2017, the very next season, after having a winning season going to the playoffs, in his second year, Ben McAdoo is fired because of the whole Geno Smith fiasco where Ben McAdoo, and it seemed like John Merrick gave the okay for this, but he started Geno Smith over Eli Manning and this was going to be Eli Manning's and Eli Manning was you know on a consecutive streak of starting games because he was never injured it was uh really just a weird situation that wasn't handled all that well or communicated all that well to Eli Manning so communication seemed like it was an issue with Ben McAdoo and his personnel as the head man Jerry Reese the general manager and uh Ben McAdoo both fired before that season's over and that's all history. But in terms of the X's and O's, like I said, a lot of 11 personnel, a lot of simple, quick hitting route concepts. He's going to incorporate some spread concepts. He comes from the and Panthers fans aren't going to love to hear this, but he comes from the Mike McCarthy coaching tree. He was in Green Bay before he arrived in in. Uh, he was the tight ends coach for Green Bay, which is Michael Finley and all that before he came over to be the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. But you're looking at a lot of just quick hitting type of concepts, two-man route concepts, two-by-two, 11 personnel, trying to get the tight end going from the wide position, use him as a big slot. It's um, I'm hoping that he evolved a little bit over the since his time as the offensive play call for the New York Giants. You're probably going to see him with his huge menu-like call sheet. That was another thing that a lot of Giant fans like a to. Like a poster board? Bro, it was – I don't have anything around me that was like that, but it was just gigantic, and a lot of people – and I uh, just used to poke fun at it and make fun of it. And the thing with Ben Mack, it ended unceremoniously. He wasn't in the, the – like, he had a lot of money spent to, to help him. But the whole Eli Manning transition with, with Ben McAdoo was awkward because it seemed like – and I, this isn't really confirmed, but it does seem like ownership believed Eli Manning still had more left and they wanted Eli Manning to, you know, continue to his illustrious career – but Ben McAdoo, I don't think, was really married to the idea of having Eli Manning as his starting quarterback because I think Ben McAdoo wants somebody who's a little bit more mobile, a la Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's not known for his mobility, but I think he wanted to, you know, play the play-action rollout in the sprint-out game, get the defense going one way off of play-action and then take advantage of the mobility uh, to move laterally and then find crossers coming from the backside. Eli Manning couldn't really do that at that part of his career. I think Sam Darnold can. And one of my biggest gripes with Sam Darnold coming out of USC, and it hasn't been fixed since he came to the NFL, was his footwork and his lower body mechanics. They're just horrendous. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of Panthers fans can attest to that. Well, that's one thing. And it's not like Eli Manning's mechanics were messed up, but the mechanics going from Gilbride's run and shoot over to a West Coast is completely different. And Ben McAdoo did a really good job fixing Eli Manning and getting him ready to play in a West Coast system to where Eli Manning had two of his better seasons while Ben McAdoo was the offensive coordinator. You know, Ben McAdoo's been on record saying that uh, Sam Darnold wasn't his favorite prospect coming out of that quarterback class and that Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, yeah. these types of guys. So he has been actually kind of attributed as being like a sort of quarterback whisperer to a certain degree. Uh, interestingly, too, when you're describing that kind of X and nose for that play style, it seems like it would help um, quarterbacks that have poor offensive lines and that, you know, three-step drops, quick hitters, and not so much that five-step drop, lower percentage downfield throws that you had with McBride. 
kind of like a Mike Shula offense for the Carolina Panthers from 2015, but or actually not when Cam was killing it. My question, I guess, is this, is that the big part or a lot of concerns for the Panthers this past year were the inability to run the ball effectively and make this part of the game plan. A lot of this was because we were behind all the time. But then they go out and get Ben McAdoo, and he's not known for running the ball at all. Uh, 28th, I believe, in the run game, like um, maybe in 2015. I had all the stats earlier. I wrote a piece on this. Uh, but at the same time, is what what is the problem with the run game? Does he use the screen pass to facilitate it? Is is he just adverse to it? Is he pass happy? What should the Carolina Panthers expect with that? So the run game in 2015 was about league average. They averaged about 100 yards per game. And then 2016, it took a little bit of a dip. But we also got to remember the Giants had like Rashad Jennings. And they didn't have like the, the stellar type of running backs. He did incorporate screens. And again, like, I wish I had a little bit more nuance to his offense. Back then, I did not have the all 22 of the games. I, I wasn't even covering the Giants back then like I am now. So I'm going off a lot of memory. But he did use the screen games. He did use a lot of those quick hitters. Uh, the Giants' offensive line as well, this is another reason why it's a little bit, uh, I guess you could say, disingenuous to, to hold this against McAdoo. It was kind of a disaster for a lot of those years. I mean, this is when they were drafting, you know, Eric Flowers in the top 10 and those and those kind of years. So there wasn't really a great situation. Eli Manning was running for his life a lot of the time. So the hope for you guys, and you guys also pick sixth, you're a sandwich with the New York Giants who pick fifth and seventh. So don't, you know, draft any linemen that the Giants want. Uh, you know, just, just a little heads up for the Carolina Panthers out there. But uh, I think he's... Uh, going to try to rectify that, try to be able to run the ball. I don't know how confident or how he, how he'll be able to do that with the offensive line you guys have and with the injuries that Christian McCaffrey continuously suffers. But if I'm an offensive coordinator, which I'm not, I have Christian McCaffrey. If he's fully healthy, my offense must run through that individual. And I think he'll be able to recognize that as well. And with the screen games that he did incorporate, which I feel like, you know, everybody incorporates, every offensive coordinator utilizes them then I think you should definitely try to do that. But my main focus right now, and the thing I could probably speak a little bit more to, is what he did with Eli Manning, how he got him off the run and shoot, how he transitioned him into the West Coast offense, and how he had success doing that. Because I think there are just direct... Yeah, it, rejuvenated, it rejuvenated his career, honestly. It did. And obviously, Odell Beckham had something to do with that as well. But I think there are direct parallels, and one reason why he might have gotten that job is if it is Sam Donald, he can do that. If the Panthers do go with a younger quarterback, he can also assist them. And that, that is also true, which you brought up before too, Tony, that um, he was all over Patrick Mahomes, supposedly. Now this came out after he was fired. So it wasn't something that we talked about a lot, you know, early on, but he was all over him, supposedly. And he was like really wanted the Giants to trade up to get him. Instead, they selected Evan Ingram in 2017. And it doesn't look like he's going to be back, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. This isn't a Giants podcast. Well, in some ways, it partly is because you got half of our squad, I feel like, half of the time is half of them followed Dave Gettleman up there and the other half go to the Buffalo Bills. Um, sticking on McAdoo and the quarterback whisper and draft talk at this point, uh, the Carolina Panthers, look, is that to put some of this in context for you, is that um, Matt Rule is really a slow walk into the executioner's table right now. Um, the, the fact that he didn't get the ax um, this year, we, we've had some speculation about our, our owner's ego to admit maybe he got it wrong or the fear that like maybe at this point it's too late and we're going to fire you anyway and we'll just wait until we get 
through this next crappy year instead of saddling a poor coach with that. But the Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule is, is out there fighting for his life, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of like if you don't make the playoffs, if you don't get spark some excitement at this point, you, you're not going to have a job after next year or even halfway through the year. My thought is this, is that the Carolina Panthers should go out there and spend money in free agency on the offensive line, try to quick fix the offensive line, plug in these two rookies that we got this past year and hope that they can make an impact. Brady Christensen, uh, Deontay Jones, whatever that big mamma jamma that came from Alabama. Deontay Um, Brown, yeah. Yeah, Deontay Brown, thank you. Uh, they, they, and, and get this offensive line from 31st in the league to middle of the pack. And I think that drafting a quarterback, despite what people say about the quality of this class, but a guy like Kenny Pickett, you bring him in halfway through the season after a Sam Darnold injury or something like that. And the Panthers could generate a little excitement and buzz and maybe find a tailwind late in the season to keep his job. That's what I would try to do if I was him. Do you think that McAdoo could help a rookie quarterback come in and make a difference in year one? Now you look at the quarterback class and, you know, a lot of the speculation I haven't dove into their film quite yet is that there isn't really a prime type of individual who's going to be picked in the top 10. And nor are you suggesting that with the, with the uh, six pick that you guys possess at the moment. But I don't know, man, I, I find it a little bit difficult because there's such a huge transition from the college game to the pro game to think that a college quarterback can kind of step in behind your guys' offensive line and, and have success. And that's not really a slight on Ben McAdoo. I think Ben McAdoo has, sure. yeah, I think Ben McAdoo, you know, he has a little bit of a track record uh, helping quarterbacks within his system. I think his system ended up at least with the Giants, becoming a little bit stale, a little bit predictable. Uh, hopefully he can, you know, work on that a little bit. It's also a slight that Mike McCarthy faced when he was up in Green Bay, but he had Aaron freaking Rodgers to kind of mask that a little bit. I, I think it would be a little bit of a stretch to to imagine that. Say somehow the Carolina Panthers, like Kenny Pickett fell a second round. I don't think that's going to happen. I still think these quarterbacks are going to be pushed up. I think you're going to start hearing more buzz about them after the Senior Bowl because I think all of them are down there except for Matt Corral. So you're going to start hearing a lot of buzz about whoever stands out there, and that's going to push him up into the first round. Then you're start hearing Kuiper and McShay mocking them in the first right. round and higher. So, but say if you guys went six with a Kenny Pickett or traded back a little bit and then and and went that direction, I think that kid's kind of getting thrown to the wolves a little bit, man. I mean, your guys' offensive line is not great, and that's coming from a guy who covers the Giants, and our offensive line is terrible. Yeah, no, we got the worst one in the league. I mean, it's honest, but that's why I think we could like, I mean, if you go out and you spend, you bring two starters in right away and all of a sudden you make it better and then you get to the bye week and Sam Darnold's nicked up or something like that. And then you bring in the rookie and he throws a couple of touchdowns and all of a sudden, man, at least fans it might just loosen the noose a little is what I'm saying. It could, man. It could. And that's a one way to look at it. I'm not, in Carolina, I have a couple friends who are Panthers fans, and they're not happy with the Matt Rule. Oh, it's tough. It's situation. tough. No, yeah, I hear it's I hear it's very tough down there right now. Who's your guy's defensive coordinator? It is. Oh God, why did uh um hold on? Why did uh, uh it's the old man? Um, give me a second. I'm having a brain for it. It's all um, good. Do that too. God, uh, and it's the only guy we like, Phil Snow. Excuse me. Oh, Phil, Phil Snow. Snow. Yeah, I yeah. Know. Is that I mean he's been with Matt Rule for forever? Yeah. He's the old man. He's actually the best coach on the team. 
Uh, but look, we had to change, man. There's a lot of change. We fought, we cleaned house. There's a lot of questions about, you know, the stability and the vision of what Matt Rule has put together. And McAdoo has not really inspired a ton of off- uh, optimism because not only is the outside persona just so associated with the downfall of the New York Giants and just the funny pictures, man, the pictures are just hilarious. It was weird. That, you know, it's hard to get past that visually and mentally to see that this is a guy that's probably trying to find a way back into the league to a certain degree. I mean, he was with uh, one in 15 Jacksonville Jaguars as their quarterbacks coach to a guy like Gardner Menchu also spent five minutes at the East Carolina with the East Carolina pirates at one point. But you know, is that where this is, it just seems like it's everything is set for failure. It that's kind of where we feel like. Now it does kind of feel like that. I mean, Ben McAdoo is young. You know, he's 44 years old. He's, I knew he was going to get another opportunity. He definitely deserves another opportunity. And these coaching ranks, you know, everybody's kind of friends and then they recycle each other. But it wasn't pretty in New York. And you, talk, you talked a little bit about the, the optics of it. Yes, the suit was a weird optic. You show up to your press conference in front of New York, the brightest lights in the country. From a good, with a Goodwill suit, a well, yeah. Salvation Army suit. And I remember like giant fans trying to justify it. Like, yeah, you know, he just cares about football so much. You only worry about the X's and O's. And I was like, it's a little weird. But then after that first season, he showed up in training camp with the slick back hair and the mustache. Cause he wasn't like that in 20, uh, in 2015, he had just his like normal hair, normal. I don't even know what he yeah. looks like now, but that was a little odd too. But I was like, Hey man, more power to you. Do, do your own thing. If you want to change your look up, that's all well and good. And then you look at how the, locker room collapsed in 2017 after making the playoffs the year prior man and the giants personnel at that time they had a lot of um uh i guess you could say uh interesting individuals who you know you can look at the latter word i just used there individual and that they were more like that if, if things were going wrong they weren't going to bring the team together they weren't going to start pointing fingers and if you look back to those giant teams with janoris jenkins landon collins who i felt you know i, I don't feel like he was that bad in that in that kind of um, way, but he did call Eli Apple a cancer on live on radio, which is something that you probably shouldn't do to one of your teammates. It was just a weird time and it, it had to get blown up and it got blown up. And unfortunately the giants made the decision to bring in Dave Gettleman. And then now we're, you know, still hoping Joe Shane can come over and fix it all. What's your guy's opinion on Gettleman, by the way, that's something I'm interested with. Oh gosh. Right. right. I'll get that. What's that? Uh, the thing that came to me, we were describing the slick back hair. Is uh, do you remember uh, Mighty Ducks 2 where Gordon Bombay slicks ah, back his hair and tries to be like the ice, the Iceland coach or whatever? So it's just like so out of character. Uh, when it comes to Dave Gettleman, uh, I think that Dave Gettleman bought into Dave Gettleman too much. Okay, I like that one. Like, like he 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 started to believe that he was the reason for the season, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he put this together because he did some good things in Carolina. Uh, fixing up the cap, kind of bargain bin shopping for us uh, when, when it was necessary. Um, but he, his personality, like, started to become like dominant. Like he wanted to be, I think, it about be about him a little bit uh, because I felt like he tried to out outsmart everybody and like prove that he was the smartest dude in the room. And it was almost like trying to be cute to the point of. Like if you play a video game, I used to play like some Call of Duty or something when I was younger. And like, I would go like, I'm only playing snipers and knives or something like that. And you're like, why are you making it so hard on yourself? dude? 
He's like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to find this. I'm going to tell you why this is the best dude. And I'm going to tell you why your guy sucks. Adam, and it just that's what it felt like. It started with the Josh Norman recension of the franchise tag. And uh, what Dave Gettleman did good is he, he taught. The, and this is what Matt Rule does, man. They say the right things. And then they don't do them. Like they put out. If Matt Rule, Matt Rule put out a vision of what his plan was uh, on the radio. And, and he was like, this is what I wanted to do when I came in here and then did the complete opposite. <laughs> like, I mean, it was just like, I want to get a bridge quarterback. I don't want to do this. And then he just needs your, it was like, man, are you not like, just do what you said, dude. Like we like that plan. And so Dave Gettleman said this, he always used to say this is, and I, it's, I mean, it's right. You use free agency to set up the draft. So you don't pin yourself in a corner in the draft and you can get good players then. So when he rescinded the franchise tag on Josh Norman in 2016 in that offseason, he then went and drafted three corners back-to-back. Yeah. And it was just unnecessary to get to that point. Um, it was like Daryl Worley, Zach Sanchez, and then and Bradbury, right? Yeah, exactly. And it was like – and and uh, Bradbury was even from a small school. It was, Stanford. I won't say a reach, but a concern. And then you put these guys into such difficult positions to start. I mean, you asked them to be starters right away. Um, so I think he kind of bought into his own hype a little bit at a certain point, proved to you he's the smartest scout in the room or something like that. Uh, and then at the other the, – the big problem he had with, with Carolina is he was a little – a day late dollar short on some things. And that is like, um, like you try to fix the offensive line. It's just two years too late. You try to uh, put some weapons around cam. It's just two drafts too late. Um, uh, and then, and, and I, and sometimes I think he played too far ahead. We drafted Vernon Butler one year in the top, in the first round, like a 25, 26 pick. And we had Star and KK, and I think he was, like, trying to leverage it as a contract thing so he didn't have to pay big bucks. And he ended up paying KK anyway. <laughs> and then Vernon Butler, and it was just like, man, you could have gotten us an offensive lineman at least, dude. Like, please. None of this and, is surprising to me. Yeah. And they just, like, it's just such a – and you know what? A lot of these guys do it. I think Matt Rule does this. It's like it's a knee-jerk reaction. Um, after the Giants game, I think, when we had one of the worst games in the history. I, I argue that the Panthers' performance um, against the Giants this year was one of the worst performances in the history of our team. Like, I, I think there's an argument that it's, like, in the top three. And Who I can say you could even argue that it was the worst one. Like, we only put – we had, like, 100 yards of offense. Oh, yeah, Patrick Graham did whatever he wanted against uh, Joe Brady. It was awful, but – at the same time, like right after that, we threw the ball. One of the games this year, we threw the ball like so much. We didn't run it all. And everybody's like, why aren't you running the ball? And then the next week, and he's like, we got to run the ball. Now we got to be a running team. It's just so, like, believe in yourself, homie. Yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to us. I got I to gotta be honest, too, as an outsider from the Carolina Panthers. And you, you can be brief with this if, if you're running on time or whatever. But why was Joe Brady released? Because by all accounts, counts a lot of people viewed him in a very positive light from everything from lsu and then next thing i knew the guy was unemployed yeah um i think it is uh there was just not there's just not enough room in the lifeboat oh. and somebody's got to get tossed over and on top of it is here's the real downfall to rule to matt rule 
is he underestimated, I think, the complexity of just the NFL as a system. Like, to me, I don't think the NFL is that hard on the field, right? Like, I don't think it's, like, so comp- – like, like, all the guys, they don't know how to call the defenses right, and they don't know this. It's like the man, the roster management, the personality management, the, you know, how to think about this big billion-dollar corporation going forward. I think those are some of the nuances to the NFL that are just different from the from the college game, free agency, the draft, you know, just different. And um, I think that he just did everything too new. So Matt Rule had never been an NFL coach. He had never really spent time in the NFL. And I don't want to hear he was like an assistant for Tom Coughlin. Like, yeah, he sat in a corner, basically. You know, Joe Brady, the same thing. He brought in a bunch of coaches that had no NFL experience. And I think they just kind of got overwhelmed by the weekly rigors of the season. And, um, And Joe Brady really is just a casualty. It's just like here. It's like somebody's got to go down. It's either all of us sink in this boat or we throw one person out and hope that we can make it sure. And Joe Brady was that guy. And uh, and sadly, I mean, and I think that Joe Brady is just also a victim of too much hype. Is like he wasn't I mean, it's like at some point you can only be such a genius. You know, is that Kimmy? And it's just like sometimes you got to have good personnel. You just go out there, and I don't know. It's just, I'm not. I'm not convinced anybody's a wonder boy until I see it. Until like a Sean McVay kind of comes around and takes the league. By yeah, time. and they got to prove it to me. I don't want to yeah. just hear somebody tell me they're the next genius. Like somebody, everybody's hyping up this dude that's is like, have you seen this nerdy looking dude for San Francisco? Uh, dude, I, oh man, uh, yeah, Mike McDaniel. Yeah, I hope he's the brilliant. I hope he's awesome. But like until I see him like run an offense for two years, three years and have success, then I'll believe it. Not that uh, I'm trying to dump on him. No, um, no, I, I couldn't agree more, to be honest, Tony, about Mike McDaniel. The guy's been an offensive coordinator for one season. And I'm not like questioning his acumen. I'm sure he's, you know, up to snuff with all that stuff, but he's only been an co- offensive coordinator for one season and he's tied to one of the best and most brilliant offensive minds of our era in Kyle Shanahan. So like I can understand why there's reservation there. Not to mention, I don't know. He does look like he just ripped the bong, which is I don't care about that whatsoever. But I, I'm like people are linking him to the Giants, and I'm like, dude, there's no way. I saw the best tweet John today. Barrow. Somebody said this homie will not go to a team that is not in a state that it's legal. Yeah, well, Jersey, <laughs> Jersey, it's legal, but uh, New York, it's not. But we play in Jersey, so you know. The uh, the thing I was going to uh, say about that, too, is there's a difference between being smart and intelligent and bright and up and coming and having all that energy and new ideas. But there's also something to like being able to go back to the well. Like, I've seen this before, man. Like, how many times do coordinators come back to a play call that they ran in the first quarter? And they like dagger it because they see the they see this. So if you've been a coordinator for ten years, you got uh, your well is deep. You'd be like, oh man, I've been in this situation. I've seen this tendency. So it's like a balance of wisdom, knowledge, and um, acumen. Like you said, my last question for you is, uh, what's going on in New York right now? Um, head coaching search is underway. You guys just got um a new gm from buffalo and what's awesome about this is like buffalo just poached all of our 
people uh, five years under Gettleman. And now you guys are just poaching the Buffalo Bills. Are you guys too in love with the Bills right now? <laughs> yeah, it seems like Brian Dayball is the odds-on favorite to be the head coach. And everything I hear about Joe Shane has been positive. And Brandon Bean came kind of brought him under his wing, groomed him, and now he's the kind of ready-to-be general manager in the National Football League. Giants land him. I I'm excited about it. I think it's refreshing. I think he's going to do a much – Better job than Dave Gettleman, to be honest. I think Gettleman, and you kind of hit all the nail on the head uh, before, but he was just very rigid with his process. And I do believe he thought he was smarter than individuals kind of went with his gut a little bit. And obviously we have the famous uh, meme of him and Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer wasn't mocking analytics, but he was mocking analytics. And I think analytics is a tool to be used to kind of um, help solve the puzzle. It's not everything, but he mocking it like that that's just not a great look for your organization i'm sure that turned john mara off it's not going to happen with joe shane i expect more structure and then if you do bring in brian dayball he does not have head coaching experience but that is an offensive mind right there the giants haven't had a a true innovative offensive mind since pat ben McAdoo. now pat Shermer. pat Shermer <laughs> pat Shermer couldn't have like he just wasn't a head coach man he he he's i think he's a, a great offense a good offensive coordinator i'll say about pat Shermer. there were some tendencies i didn't like about pat Shermer, but he's a uh he was a good offensive coordinator now ben mcadoo that was a whole nother issue again i don't think he was head coaching material but he can be an offensive coordinator yeah now i don't know if he, i don't think particularly you guys are going to be successful next year you're probably going to be picking in the top 10 again but so much still has to play out you guys can knock the draft out of the park you guys can somehow land a star court but anything i only got two picks in the top one pick in the top 100 it's it's a Wait, mess really? you guys have one pick in the top 100 yeah see that's the thing is that like we traded away our second and a fourth yeah. for sam Darnold, and then that. midway through the season we traded for cj henderson and gave up a third at least you have CJ Henry. He's a good cornerback. If you can keep him we'll on the see. Stage. We'll see, man. If he just like, it's just a, it's just a godforsaken mess here. Man, dude, that, see that makes me. No offense to your listeners, that makes me feel better as someone who's a. You who's should, a yeah, because I mean, cause we kind of walked. We were walking hand in hand down the same path with Joe Judge, Matt Rule. You know what I'm saying? The kind of same. Yeah. Um, and this is like the thing is that we're just a little worried that we waited a hair too late. Uh, to figure out that it's a mess, you know what I'm saying? Like it looks, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but like when you listen to, like the, I think Matt Rule, like even gives two more interviews, he should get he get fired, like Joe Judge. Like stop talking, homie, just shut up. Does he have the Joe Judge effect going on right now? Where he just it's not so out? much as like ridiculousness, but it's like, all right. So here is that. Here's the thing: is um, our offensive line stinks. Yes, stinks. We drafted Brady Christensen in the third round. Um, that you know, it's like as could could pan out. Hey, he's going to be better than anybody on the offensive line right now. Well, Matt Rule said this is we projected him as a third round left tackle, a second round guard, and he says, "Man, we just see him as being a guard, starting as a guard because his arms are too short." Sure. And it's thirty two and a quarter. Well, all right, so we're like, all right, man, he's holding against Brady Christensen for his T Rex arms and all of this. Well. This past year, we had the opportunity to draft Rashawn Slater. And a lot of Panther fans have been going, look at Rashawn Slater, all pro left tackle, arguably the best left season at left tackle all season. Man, that could have really helped us 
And not to dump on J.C. Horn, but, like, we got Stefan Gilmore in a trade. We got, like, this tackle could have really helped. And when asked about it, after an all-pro season, oh, Matt yeah. Rule goes, well, he had, we were concerned about his arm length. <laughs> and we were just like, dude, just read the room, man. Read the room. Just keep it to yourself. Um, and right now it just seems like there's no plan at um, – at at quarterback, the offensive line, and he really just seems like a. He says like buzzwords, you know. He's like, oh, "We want to be a bunch of alphas and play hard, fast football," and then you don't got nothing. And it almost seems to me now that now that you're firing Joe Brady, you're questioning everything that all your own decisions. Like, why do we even need you, homie? Yo, we're so mad. This seems like a de uh, it's destined to fail. Uh, like, yeah, no, I mean, really, it's like we're trying to find something good to be optimistic about the future. But right now, I mean, it's hard. It is hard. Even on top of that is like all we hear is like, oh, you got a second, the number two defense. Bullshit, man. We didn't stop nobody. We didn't maybe, stop nobody when it mattered. Maybe, and I highly doubt this, but, you know, galaxy brain stuff. Maybe Tepper is playing chess while we're looking at checkers. And he's looking at the 2023 draft, and he's like, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, man, we'll suck this year. Keep this guy on. Just clean house. Yeah, I think that's where we're heading right now. I do think that's where we're heading. Uh, what do the Giants need to do in the draft in the first round? So the Giants have the fifth and the seventh pick. Like I said, they're sandwiched between the Carolina Panthers. So I'm guessing since you guys suck and you guys need offensive linemen as well, the Giants will probably select an offensive lineman at five now is Evan Deal going to fall that far or are they going to go with the kid from North Carolina State oh, I'm not he's awesome that. dude that dude, kid I, is a road grader I've heard I've heard that he is uh just incredibly nasty as a run blocker could use a little bit of help as pass protector I haven't watched the film other than just you know broadcast film on Saturdays when I'm like sitting on my couch so I can't wait to get into both those guys can't wait to get into the um all the other offensive linemen, the interior guys as well, the one from AM, uh, Cross from Mississippi State. So I'm really excited for that. I think they're going to definitely address the offensive line probably at five. Now at seven, I could see them going edge. I can see them going doubling up at offensive line. I can see them trading back. It takes two to tango, though. So if those quarterbacks get pushed up high, then maybe. But I think the Giants are also looking forward to the next year's draft. I think they're not going to tank or anything like that because, it's a, you know, it's a little bit of a rebuild right now. I think we can admit that. It's going to be a first-year head coach. It's going to be given, you know, a little bit of a long leash, which he should be. I mean, the Giants have fired two head coaches in two seasons the last out of the last six years. I mean, that's insane when you think about it. The Giants need to focus on the offensive line, though. That's got to be major priority. I think adding an edge rusher is definitely something else that they should look into. They need to look at the tight end position. And they, they need a lot. They need a quarterback. Daniel Jones will be here next year, but I don't think his fifth-year option will be picked up. Giants hopefully won't invest a big contract into Saquon Barkley. Kind of did what you guys did with Christian McCaffrey. Saquon Barkley can't stay healthy. And um, he's not a Nick Chubb or a Dalvin Cook in terms of his vision and his decisiveness. He hasn't been given a lot of help. But I, right. I just think he's an ex incredible athlete who plays running back. A really, He's a good running back, don't get me wrong, but your athleticism deteriorates as you get older. And he's still really young, but I'm hoping the Giants don't go in that direction. And the Giants could look at uh, – they're not going to do it high in the draft, but wide receivers later. That's kind of what Joe Shane uh, comes from. Buffalo looked at a lot of wide receivers later in the draft. Got Gabriel Davis doing that, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, a lot of players like that. Draft a lot of defensive backs as well late in the draft. I think every year Joe Shane was there, they ended up selecting defensive backs late in the draft. Some of them ended up hitting. Some of them were undrafted for agents like Levi Wallace, who ended up stepping in and playing adequately for them as well. So the Giants need a lot of work. They definitely do. But – 
I, I think we're in good hands now. Now I'm not going to expect a quick, quick turnaround, but I, I believe the ship is in the right direction. Finally, after just way too many failed regimes. Paizan, thanks for the insight. Tell them, tell them how they can get after your podcast and your written work, please. Yes, you can find us. It's myself and CBS's Dan Schneier. We are at Big Blue Banter. You can find that anywhere you get your podcast. And I also do my written work at Big Blue View and cover the draft for Sports Illustrated at Giants Country with Patricia Trina. Thanks so much, man. Uh, best of luck, and we'll catch up soon. Yep. Take care, Tony. Be well. Find your next favorite podcast at AdvertiseCast.com slash explore. There you will find a list of some of the best and up-and-coming podcasts around searchable by category. That's AdvertiseCast.com slash explore to find your new podcast obsession. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.